Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast. Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in. Baseball's pretty neat, so thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! The baseball season is way too long. The game is way too slow. It's so boring to watch. Shut up. Get your peanuts, Cracker Jacks, and IPAs ready. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Swing and a long drive. Deep to right. Covering all things baseball. Going. Going. The big leagues. Going. Going. And the MLB to Portland. Goodbye! He has done it! He has changed the game of the night with one swing of his bat! Now, here are your hosts, Patrick Harris and Mike Lynch on 1080. Bang! Zoom! Go the fireworks! The fan. Welcome into the hot corner. For it must be a Wednesday, it's always a Wednesday. It's always a Wednesday! That's what we do right down here. Anything is possible! We are live from the Poopfield Willamette. Right down here. Keeping track of my hot Blazers Pelicans bet. Yeah, yeah, you put money on the Pels, no, I imagine. I put money on both Dame and Zion to get 35 plus points. Oh. Plus 1,000. How you feeling right now? I was feeling pretty solid. Because last time I checked, although we walked in here and I stopped looking... Uh, they both had around 15, 16 points, and it was the first half. So, I feel you know, like there's the, a chance. the Zion 35 is the tough one for me. Well, they're both tough. I was looking at their game logs. They don't really hit that too often, but they do get there. Yeah. So, you know. All right. All right. So far, so good. Well, the Zer- think, Let's see. So, Lillard's got 18. <clears throat> okay. All right. All and right. Zion has 14. Okay. 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 So, it's not like either of them are playing poorly. Well, Blazers are on, so we'll keep you up to date with that throughout the entire show today. And uh, this is one of those days, Mike. I uh, So I did Dirt and Sprague on Friday with our good friend Andrew Nemec, yes. who does uh, the recruiting show on Monday nights. 
Uh, we had we had an excellent time. Normally and, Thursday nights, but Monday nights during basketball. Season. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you for that. And we had an excellent time. And I'd been texting with him the couple days leading up. And, you know, there's not a lot of sports going on. The Super Bowl's over. So it's kind of like, you want to do retrends, trying to build the show, stuff like that. And we kind of bounced some stuff off each other and everything was great. And then we walked in the door. <clears throat> and because of the snow, I took the max down. And I was kind of listening to music. It wasn't not... even that bad that first day, though, right? No, no, no. Well, it was terrible on my way home, but that's beside the point. Uh, getting here was really easy. And I ended up not, like, searching through my phone sort of thing. I ended up just listening to music and just kind of looked out the window on the Max and just kind of enjoyed the the beautiful sights that are downtown Portland right now. And uh, I walked in the door at about 11.45, because that show's on at noon. And Swag and Nemec are here. And I'm like, hey, guys, you ready for a good show today? And they were like, oh, yeah, boy, this thing's set up for us. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? I've been, like, slaving for three days trying to build this show. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, Tyler Shuck is transferring in Wayland. I went, are you serious? And Nemec goes, yeah. And I go, oh, great. And Swag goes, we don't even need Daily Ticker. We got Nemec in the house. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be the easiest show in the world. Fast forward yesterday. Thinking to myself, okay, I got the hot corner coming up. Who are we going to talk about? What are we going to get into? You it know, was, was kind of a slow baseball week. Kind of a slow baseball week. Kind of there's nothing going on. And then about two hours ago, it was like, oh, you got a show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I just would like two to thank. Two hours of Tim Tebow talk, baby. <laughs> I would just like to thank the sports gods out there uh, that, are, that, that have been shining down on Patrick Harris in the last couple times he's been in this building. So thank you. At least you. this time you could drive and not ride the map. This time I did drive. Um, the great Isaac Ropp was nice enough to uh, give me a ride. So the Max line is up at Tillicum Crossing, which is about a 15-minute walk from here. No big deal. Mm -hmm. But it was terrible, and he was driving home. He said, hey, you want a ride? I said, yeah, man. That sounds great. I'll take a ride just up to Tillicum. And we're about two blocks away. We're right, right at the go-by-train sign at OHSU. And we can see the Max leaving to head north. So I just missed it. Mm -hmm. Rob turns to me. He goes, ah, you just missed it. And I was like, ah, no big deal. We'll be here in 15 minutes. 15 minutes passed, and the board said 25 minutes. I was like, oh, okay. It's snow. Yeah. It's delayed. No big deal. 25 minutes passed. Oh, that'll be another 24 minutes. Oh, boy. I'm like, oh. It's been an hour now. We're really, we're really into some stuff. Were you alone outside at this point? Yes. Okay, he left you. Yeah, and uh, which, which I told him to, and he yeah, was, yeah. Very, he was very nice to give me a ride up there. And I, if you're listening right now, Isaac, thank you so much for that. And we're standing there, and we see five Max trains go past, heading to Milwaukee, mm -hmm. but none heading north. And I ended up befriending this wonderful nurse at OHSU, David, very nice guy. He lives not too far from me. So we're waiting for the same thing. Never shows up. We decided to make a pact. We were going to be together because we knew our only option home was riding the bus. The bus is a little scary in COVID just because it's such a tight-knit quarter. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that scared us was we had to transfer downtown. And we were like, I do not want to be downtown. I don't want to be downtown because of COVID. I don't want to be downtown because of the snow. And I don't want to be downtown because downtown is an absolute S show right now. Yes. So we decided to do it. We got on together. We had each other's backs. We transferred. 
Got to the Moda Center. We transferred again, and I got dropped off not too far from my house. It took me two and a half hours to get home on Friday. Wow. All because I missed that 704 Max. That is an atrocity. So did you ever find out what happened? No. Was there like a, you know ice stalling all the trains? or Couldn't tell because it kept going south, and I tried to look on to get some alerts and couldn't find anything and just kind of had to deal with it. That reminds me of one time. This was when I was still married. We, had, my, my ex-wife and I visited our friends who lived out in Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. And we took the Max because we lived downtown at the time. Mm-hmm. And we Happy Valley's deep. Yes. We didn't realize how uh, the Max schedule became staggered after a certain time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were there for a while. We were enjoying <clears throat> ourselves. You know, we took the Max. So we didn't worry about drinking or not drinking. Sure. And we, we tried to leave. We went back at like 1 or 2 in the morning or something. Maybe it was a little earlier than that. And we go to the max line and we get on the max and we're about halfway there. I forget the name of it. What's the name of the, the turn around by the airport, the transit center cascade station. No, no, not that one. The one that's uh, on the way to the airport on the five and two Oh five interchange area. I forget. Ooh. I forget the name of it. No idea. Maybe the text line will tell me um, we got there and the captain, the captain, the captain. Look into my eyes. <laughs> I am the captain now. The driver, the captain of the Max, comes on the loudspeaker and says, hey, just a reminder, this is the last stop this train is going. We're turning back around and going back towards Clackamas. And uh, all the other Maxes going into the city are done at this hour. And I was like, excuse me? Uh, can you repeat that? And please tell me you're joking. It's uh, 2 in the morning. And this was early in my life here in Portland. I had no idea where I was. I was, you know, near 82nd or somewhere over there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And they're like, well, uh, we, we left the Max and we were like, hey, like there was a worker there. What can we do? Oh, take the bus. Oh, okay. Take the bus. And we just wound up sitting at a bus stop for 45 minutes in the cold mm-hmm. at two in the morning yep. because there's not that many buses running. Sounds excellent. And, you know, we wound up getting home. And there was a couple of bus changes as well. And it was just like. Oh, great. So it's good to know that our public transit doesn't run after a certain hour <laughs> that we had no idea about. That reminded me of that story. That kind of reminds, that, that reminds me of another story. When I first moved back to town in 2013, I moved back. I was dating this woman. We lived together, and we had, we had, we had split. We, we had broken up, but we were, I was trying to, you know, keep things going and, you know, try hard to repair the relationship. And we decided to go to a Winterhawks game. We were at the Moda Center. We lived in St. John's at the time. And we are so drunk leaving the Moda Center, trying to get back home, that we got on a bus. And it wasn't until I was on, like, 182nd that I realized we were going the wrong way. And so I had to get off the bus. Gateway Transit Center. Gateway Transit Center. Thank you to the texters. Thank you. Um, Had to get off the bus, cross the street, and wait for another bus to take us all the way across town. And she had decided early on in that night that we were not going to get back together. So I have ridden this bus with her and we're drunk and ridden this bus with her all the way out to Gresham to go all the way back to St. John's. And it was it was it was a pretty nightmarish situation. Did you sit separately at least like you didn't need to sit together at that point? Uh, She slept for most of it. So I stood guard. Ah, you How know. chivalrous of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I was the now single man. Yeah, I was trying to be the good boyfriend uh-huh. who wasn't the boyfriend. And... Uh-huh. The good ex-boyfriend that was only an ex for two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry I had to go through that. Eh, whatever. 
I'm happy now. You made for a good story. Are you happy now? Yeah. I'm happy now. I'm happy now. Life's great. Yeah. Anything else? We got everything covered here. Are you happy now, Joe? As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. <laughs> that was that was going through your mind when the breakup was happening. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, that'll be a home run. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be in this relationship again. <laughs> uh, Oakley Doakley. Well, we got a great show lined up for you today. There's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to start previewing divisions as I've done the math, and it uh, sounds about right. So in the break, we'll figure out which one uh, to cover. I'm leaning towards the NL East. Because you're intrigued because by the NL East Because I am intrigued by the NL East. All right. So we'll do that at the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, you can find us on social media. Mike's on Twitter at MikeLynch27. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PDD085. You can find our fantastic producer, Mr. Joe Fisher, on Twitter as well at JoeFish3. That's F-I-S-C-H. Uh, speaking of that, there's the Beers on Us podcast. Drops tomorrow at 4 o'clock. We're going to be talking a little non-alcoholic beer. I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous as well. So hopefully the beer of the week has alcohol in it so we don't just drink N.A. beer and then be lame. We didn't talk about it because it was my beer of the week last week, and I'm going to bring another one in this week most likely. That's fine. It's sitting in my fridge. Okay. It's a brewery I've never heard of. Ooh. It's a beer that sounded interesting, which is why I bought it. I just didn't drink it over the weekend, so I'll I'll do it on the podcast. So make sure you download this hour-long of podcast of beers that we don't want to drink. So make sure you get that wherever you get your podcasts, including... Definitely mix things up and throw in that non-alcoholic tequila. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just just ride it. Just ride it hard. I'd be willing to try non-alcoholic beer. That free spirits BS that's in the room with you, Joe, (laughs) never. That thing is going to live in there as long as it possibly can. Uh, So make sure you download that wherever you get your podcasts, including 1080thefan.com and radio.com. When we come back, there's another guy who's making a lot, a lot of money. But... Was it a smart decision? But was it a good idea? We'll start in Slam Diago when we come back. This is the Hot Corner on 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. This is Portland Sports Leader. Don't you forget it. You can put it on the ball. Did you know that the Chicago White Sox once had the player we're about to talk about? No, I did not know that. I just found out today thanks to a tweet. And they traded him for a pitcher that it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Yeah. Retrospect. I I mean, mean, he was known for being great in big games. Wait a sec. You're telling me. That the Padres gave up big game James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr.? Yep. You're telling me the White Sox... Tim Anderson is fantastic. Let's not beat around the bush here. You're telling me that the White Sox in their rebuild could have had Fernando Tatis Jr.? Well, I now, mean, think to, of both sides here, Patrick. I think it worked out pretty well. <laughs> big game James has never won a big side. game in his life. So this was... I think like three or four years ago. So at that point, Tatis 
Yeah, it was June 4th, 2016. Goodness gracious. Tatis is what, 21 right now? 22, I believe. So this was five years ago. He was 17. Yeah. So it's like, oh. Because he didn't go to college. He's from the islands. We'll trade a 17-year-old. <clears throat> yeah, sure. We don't know. Oh, his dad was okay. We'll see about that. Ooh, John Boy just posted a tweet. In 2020, Tatis slugged 531 on breaking balls, and it's the clip of every single breaking ball he hit. Is it nice? He's good. The kid feel, is good. I feel eroticized right now. Uh, by the way, James Shield, 16 and 35 as Chicago White Sox. Oh, White man. Sox? White Sox? White Sox, yeah. I think, singular sock? I think, I think that is the singular sock. Yeah. He wore socks, but and he was a White Sox. a 5.3 ERA. 5.3 ERA. 16 and 35, is that what you said? Yes. Was it worth it, Chicago? Well, I mean, they got out. They dodged a three hundred forty million dollar bullet. You know, I mean, nobody wants to spend that kind of money, <laughs> right? I mean, why would you want to lock in? You know, the best young player on your team for fourteen years. Nay, the best young player in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the answer? Yeah. You like Tatis more than Acuna? Well, Acuna's what now? Twenty four. Oh, so the two years on it makes him not young anymore? No, you, I think you caught me in that one. I do love Acuna, but Tatis seems better to me. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Better than Walker Bueller? Yeah. More impactful? That That's fine. I don't think you're wrong. I'm just throwing names out here. I think he is the best young player in baseball. All right. Okay. Well, that's the story that comes across today, as the as Mike Lynch would put it. The best young player in baseball signs a 14-year, $340 million contract That's 24 mil per year, bub. With the Slam Diago Padres. And it makes a ton of sense if you're San Diego, right? We'll start there. If you're San Diego, we've seen this sort of trend in locking up the young guys. Acuna, as we just mentioned, did that. Ozzy Albies did that. He kind of got screwed, but yeah. Alex Bregman did that. I mean, you look at all these contracts. Well, before Tatis... All those young kids, and maybe that's where we'll start, is being a young kid and signing these deals. A lot of those deals, like Bregman, Acuna, Albies, they kind of make sense, you know? You're like, the kid's young, they want to lock in some money, and they you know, they don't necessarily want to bet on themselves, and they want to kind of get that payday now, and it's great for the teams because they lock in their guys for a while. But I don't think we expected a 14-year, $340 million. I mean, We've never seen a 14-year deal in MLB, have we? Trout. Mike Trout's 14 years? I think Trout is, I think he's 14, 426. Because <clears throat> um, I, I thought he was like 12. It might be 12. <clears throat> so, I mean, if that's the case, then, yeah, we probably haven't seen a 14-year deal. It's 12 is close. I mean, that's a, that's a long deal. Sure, sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, why not give someone 14 years if he's 22 years old, right? That's one of those things where you're worried about the length of contracts because you're signing guys when they're 27, mm -hmm. 30, mm -hmm. 31. Dude's 22. Give him a 20-year deal. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Come on down. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think it's interesting because for the Padres, this is a huge win. Huge win. Now, at the moment, this is a massive contract. Well, they have a lot of money on the books in the next few years with Machado, Machado uh, Hosmer's making decent money. Will Myers is making good money. Um, you know, you Darvish isn't cheap. They re-signed Clev. 
Right. Yeah. So I mean, they've got a they've got a they've got a decent sized payroll going into the season, but you just locked up your franchise player for the next fourteen years. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are San Diego, you have to be pretty excited about that. Absolutely. You you locked up a guy that right now that's a huge contract. It's only beaten by Trout's contract. But in five years, paying Fernando Tatis Jr. twenty four mil a year. Yes. It's gonna look like Thank pennies. you. In ten <clears throat> years, paying Fernando Tatis Jr. twenty four mil a year. He's got four MVPs, two World Series titles, a couple batting titles. And he's locked in with Slugger. a no trade clause to twenty four mil a year. Yeah. That's gonna look fantastic gonna for look the Padres. So for them it's a win win. Right? Huge win. There's only a small <clears throat> chance of it backfiring, and that's if Tatis has a catastrophic injury and doesn't turn out to be the great player they all expect him to be. Right. And or then if you're you stuck get, in a huge deal. Yeah, for you get you get player. you get more footage on a guy and you understand how to pitch to him and he becomes a Chris Davis. You know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it happens. We've we've seen it. But I think this is a pretty safe bet if you are San Diego. I guess as safe as a 14-year contract can get. Can get, yeah. Because of his age, yeah. I mean, we we go back at it and we look at, you know, we talk the Robbie Cano deal frequently. Or you talk, uh, you know, A-Rod's multiple deals. In the end, that was not great. You're you're really hogtied with some really bad numbers for a massively declining player. 38-year-old, 40-year-old. Yeah. Coming off can't do steroids anymore and now isn't that great. That comes across really, really bad. But for the Padres... It looks wild. It looks crazy. But, I mean, this is the steal of the offseason. Has to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Has to be the best deal I've seen from a club standpoint maybe ever. I I mean, I think the Braves deals were probably smarter from a club standpoint. Yeah, and those came across on the uh, fan text line, 503-250-1080. That's Acuna, 10 years, 134, Albies, 9 at 45. If those numbers are correct, which I'll trust you. I I saw 7 for 35 for Albies, but that might have been an extension after two years or something like that. Uh, Those are insanely amazing team deals for those guys. I think Albies screwed himself completely with his deal. Acuna's is a little bit more reasonable, but still, what the Braves did is, is brilliant. Right, you Absolutely. locked up one of the other best young players in baseball in Acuna and your cornerstone player on ten, oh, 13 mil a year. Thirteen yep. mil a year. Yeah, Ozzy Albies, who you know is not Acuna, and but you locked has, in maybe the top top five second baseman for the next nine years at under ten million a year. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far about Albies. He's been inconsistent, right? He's he's not he's not at the same level. But yeah, I mean, you're still getting him for that little money. It's insane. And Stuk brought this up when we talked about this on primetime. Juan Soto's in arbitration right now. He's going to get paid, you know, six, seven, eight mil, whatever it is. But are the Nationals going to try to lock Juan Soto up to a long-term deal? And And Tessler just came in and said, what's Juan Soto going to get now? Yeah. Or is he going to say, no, I don't want the long-term deal because I want to get more contracts in my career for more money. But I also wonder what's this going to do for some of the older, quote-unquote, young players? Like, what does this do for Francisco Lindor? You know, what's his deal look like? Well, what's his age? Okay. 27. Yeah, yeah. Older, young guy. But does that does that pave the way for these older, young guys to get more money up front, or does it hurt them? Honestly, I'm not sure it changes much for them. You think it still goes back to the, the Harpers of the world and Probably. Machados of the world? I mean, you're talking about one of the better players in baseball, and he's going to be up for a big deal. 
they'll view him as a 27 year old. You know, his his cap for years will probably be 10. <clears throat> 10. And that might be a, a bit high for some teams based on how we've seen contracts go recently. But you don't think that that prevents him from getting potentially $400 million? No. Okay. Because not- that's what I wonder. Because if it's like when you, when, you, when you spend, you know, $400 million on a guy when they're 22, that's a lot different than spending $400 million on a guy that's 27. Now, Trout and Betts have proved that they're worth that. But I don't know, just these young kids taking deals like this. I just wonder what the ripple effect will be. I think the ripple effect will be on the young kids. It will be on the teams that have good young players, and they'll say, oh, we can commit to a guy now, and over the course of 12, 14, 10, whatever many years, we won't have to pay him as much as we would have if we had to re-sign him every six Hmm. or every five. It's a win for them. Why do you think they did this with Tatis? Right. Right. Tatis is 22. He had how many years of arbitration coming up? They could have controlled Three him more years. at a low salary <clears throat> and controlled him lower than 24 mil for multiple years and then given him a big contract, although I guess you risk putting him on the open market, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and you would have saved yourself money in that end, but you can also look at it on the reverse way and say you're saving yourself money in the last eight years of the deal. So it's kind of, okay, maybe there's more. If they did the math, there's more savings to be done at the back end of the deal. <clears throat> I think this will just change for the young players. So... For any good young player coming up, your team is going to offer you a big contract. Mm-hmm. It's up to them to take it. You know, I think Ozzy Albies made a big mistake. Right. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. made a big mistake. Tatis's money is insane. Is it? Well, in in the current era, when you see, uh, when you see that era, big, when you it, see that big number at the end of the deal, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But when you see what you're paying yearly, is it amazing? Well, that's. At, in the current in the current market of baseball, that is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. So whereas Acuna took the 100-some mil, and you're like, wow, Acuna is only going to get paid like 10 mil a year for 10 years. 13, that's 13, 13 mil a year. That's terrible. That's insane. And then you see $340 million, and you're like, wow, Tatis is going to be loaded. But, you know, so right now that's a big deal. You're going to see a lot of these players coming up, the Juan Sotos of the world, having to make a decision. Do I sign that contract now and give myself security and guaranteed S load of money? Or do I bet on myself and try to get myself, you know, do the Trevor Bauer, get myself multiple small $40 million a year deals. And that, and that's what I want to get into next. And that's where I want to take this. How does this look for the young player? Is this the right move? Is it the safe move? Is it a bad move? I want to get into all of that. Plus in 15 minutes, I want to talk a little bit of arbitration and just how we've seen that play out over the years. So we've got a lot to stick with this kind of big story here in the first hour. Don't go anywhere. This is the hot corner. But first, there's my man Joe with sports. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. Coming up in about 10 minutes here, we got, uh, I want to talk a little arbitration and how deals like this affect arbitration. And it's something that I know we all hate. Where's the future of that? We'll get into that in about 10 minutes. There's the fan text line, 503-250-1080. You guys are doing great stuff. It is really appreciated what's coming across on the text line right now. 
uh, Braves Nation is... Uh, they're big P1s of the show. Yeah they're, yeah, they're giving us the deets on stuff, so we appreciate that a lot. Uh, I do like this text from Matt and Pullman. Go Cougs. Wow, 24 mil per year? He must be at least as good as Kyle Seeger. <laughs> I love that text, yeah. <laughs> That's a great text. That's a great text. But the question was the question was was brought up last segment uh, on the text line, and Mike, you mentioned it as well as you guys talked about it on primetime. What does this do for a guy like Juan Soto? And and I want to get into this discussion because I felt like we kind of talked about this a little bit back back in the days when you know Acuna and Bregman got their deals that were very team friendly, but gave the young player a lot of money up front. And my question is, what, what, what I'm the most curious about with all of it is, is, is that, is this a good move? Is, is it a good move to say, this is what I've worked for, this is what I deserve now? Or is it better to take the risk, bet on yourself, that once you get out of this garbage arbitration thing that, again, we'll, we'll discuss in about 10 minutes, is it good to just get out of that? Or is it better to play through that garbage? Because look at Chris Bryant. Look at what the Cubs are doing with Chris Bryant right now. That guy is an MVP, rookie of the year, helped you catapult to your first World Series in over 100 years, and they're treating him like absolute garbage. What is the smarter route to go as a player? Honestly, I don't know the answer. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I mean, it depends on what the player cares about. You know, there is inherently a risk with signing a big deal like this that, you know, at least for the play or for the team, that you don't pan out to be that good. Right. So if you're the player, it's very smart in that aspect, that aspect to take any big guaranteed money you can earlier in your career because you have no guarantees of you having a great career for the rest of your life. You know, you, you could very easily blow out your knee and never be the same, and lose out on a boatload of money because you blew out your knee. You become Pedro Serrano, and you can't hit the curveball, so everyone throws a curveball at you, and then you bat 240. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so because of that, I think there's there's a smart aspect of this for the players. You guarantee yourself security. You guarantee yourself a lot of money. And, you know, Tatis got a no-trade clause, which is pretty crazy. You guarantee yourself leverage and control. The no-trade clause is a pretty sweet deal. Yep. Uh, in that Tatis thing. and But if you're a team, and I don't mean to derail too much, but if you're a team and you're only going to get paid $24 million for the next 14 years as opposed to 40 for the next 10 years, like a couple dudes down the road from you, uh, that's a great thing to have in your pocket. So I think for that aspect, uh, for the player, it's smart. you know. And if the player isn't necessarily worried about the money as much, I mean, we, we say this all the time, there is a big difference between making 24 mil a year and 40 mil a year. There is a big difference. However, 24 million is still $24 million a year. <laughs> we saw somebody on the text line like, anybody got a worse gig than Fernando Tatis right now? No, 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 no. So, none of these guys have a bad gig. I, I prefer Mookie Betts gig because he's making 40 mil and winning World Series. But that's just me. So if you're Tatis and you don't care about the maximization of your of your money, then you're going to make $340 million in your career plus whatever the second contract's going to be. I mean, and you're going to be... It's massive life-changing money. You're going to be living happy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's one way to look at it. Some some players, I don't think this is not necessarily Tatis. He comes from a baseball family, so it's a little bit different. But right. think about players that come out of the Caribbean or come out of Cuba, and they just, just want straight stability. nothing. 
They just want stability. The Javi Baez of the world, you and, know. And they want to take a long-term deal just because they don't have to worry about it for 10 years. I think that's that's an aspect of it, too. But on the flip side, it's, yeah, you're losing out on the maximum amount of money you could make. If you are as great as Fernando Tatis Jr. is supposed to be, taking this deal and being a free agent when you're 36, you, you would have had three contracts by that. Maybe two, maybe yeah. three. And You power through arbitration. Yep. Say he continues on the trajectory that he's on, which for all intents and purposes, we believe he's going to do. He gets out of arbitration at 25. He's looking at a 10-year, $500 million deal. Exactly. And you think about inflation going up, contracts right. going up. That's a lot of money he's leaving on the table for taking the deal now, which is why this is extraordinarily smart for the Padres, like we talked about, unless he gets hurt and they have to pay him a guy who's not playing very well. When I say hurt, I mean devastatingly so, where he's not a good player anymore. But, you know, for Tatis, it's more of a 50-50 thing. It's, sure, you got security, and sure, you're making a ton of money, but you're also not getting everything you could have gotten in a great Hall of Fame-level career. Do you think that, do you think that team, you know, and I mean, business is business, so let, let's remember, this is a business. Sports is sports. Sports is sports. Um, do you think that teams are taking advantage of this? Yes. Of seeing kids like a Tatis, like a Cunha, who aren't, they didn't go to college, they didn't travel baseball in America, they didn't do the, 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 the you know, the great white hope that is capitalism in the United States of America. They're taking advantage of this. I think that's an obvious thing. But do you think that's a bad thing that they're taking advantage of it? I guess my question is, is if you're Fernando Tatis, if you are, obviously he's happy with it, otherwise he wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. If you are him, are you happy with signing this deal? Yes. If I'm happy, yes. To guarantee that you have that. Yes. I, the way I've always viewed it, and I know this is probably silly. Because the last thing you want to be is Jeremy Lin, who takes over the world, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And three years later, he's out of the league. Yeah. Um, the best way I'm going to use the best thing I'm going to use as an example for myself personally is this is something that I believe very strongly most people disagree with this assessment. If I were to ever win the lottery, I would take the payments every year. I would not take the lump sum. Oh, no, you never take the lump sum. No. You, no. No, 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 stop. Most people, including a lot of analysts, say the lump sum gives you more, so you should take the lump sum because you're maximizing the value of your money. Mark Cuban, on the other hand, has actually been on my side with this, which actually made me happy. But for me personally, I would take Do the- you want to host NBC shows? Is that why you like Mark Cuban? No, I just like Mark Cuban. He's cool. Bad joke, I guess. Continue. <laughs> I do like Shark Tank, though. <laughs> Continue. Um, because that's how I view it, and that's what would happen if I won the lottery. It's like a salary instead right. of just... It gives me... First of all, it gives me less money at once, so I'm not just, like, sitting there with... You're not going to Antoine Walker. $300 million right? in an account and <laughs> just trying to, you know, burn through money. I'll have the ability to calmly each year get a lot of money and then you know set myself up a little bit. I feel the same way if I were to be a baseball player and make millions and millions of dollars a year. For me, that's still millions of dollars a year. <laughs> I can't even fathom what I would do with that kind of money. Oh man, if I could get if I could get a paycheck every week that was like $4,000 a week, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> right? I would absolutely I'd be like, "Holy hell, what are we doing with this, babe?" I got a paycheck every week for $2,000, I would lose my mind. 
I don't I, like I don't know I was what to do with that out, kind of money. I was trying not to out our poor financial situation here, Mike, but thank you for doing that. <laughs> I got a paycheck every week for one thousand dollars. I would be I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Um no, so because that's how I view money, it's obviously I'm leaving stuff on the table. Right. You would get more in the lump sum payment in the lottery. Sure. But it's a lot safer and a lot for me, it it, it goes down easier if I took that yearly payment. So if I'm Tatis. I probably do the deal he did because now I'm set. I don't got to worry about it. I just guaranteed, guaranteed baseball contracts, thumbs up, $340 million. That's my life. I'm done. I play baseball. I have fun. I don't have to worry about it anymore. There's no more contracts. No pressure. There's no pressure in contract years. You're just set. And for me, that's what I would choose, 100%. If I was Ozzy Albies, Maybe it's a little bit different because they're offering you well below market value for a player of your caliber. It's getting paid like eight mil a year. But in this in this instance, yeah, I take it. Well, that's interesting. And I want to know how the whole arbitration thing plays into this. If arbitration is such a nightmare that this is what's kind of forcing players' hands into taking deals like this. And that's kind of what I want to get into. And, and we'll do that when we come back from the break. Uh, that's Mike Lynch, Joe Fish behind the glass. I'm Patrick Harris, 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. up at the second hour we will get down on some national league east as we start to preview the season as pitchers and, re- and catchers reported today oh yeah there was also some hot champions league action yesterday and today that we should probably get into you know pitchers and catchers is back when i spent- and that's all we did for champions league <laughs> when i spent an hour this morning watching the first aaron boone press conference Ah, uh, yes, and Clint Frazier will be your starting left fielder is what I learned from that. Yep. Which means Brett Gardner, kick rocks. We don't even like you anymore. Yeah, they haven't signed him. He's still a free agent, and honestly, I don't think they're going to, which is I a little sad. I don't I, think they're going to either. I like Brett Gardner. He's, a, he's, he's not a Yankee legend, but he's a Yankee lifer, and it's one of those where it's like, oh, hey, like, what if he plays for another team? That's going to be weird. Hey, Brett Gardner, Colorado is beautiful this time of year. They definitely need somebody. Is it, though? Anybody. Like, literally, do you have a pulse? We'd love to sign you. (laughs) Well, according to uh, Fangraphs, there's only one team that has a 0.0% chance to make the playoffs. And who would that be, Mike Lynch? That would be Joe Fisher's Baltimore (laughs) Orioles. Even the Pirates have a higher percent chance than the O's. That is so brutal. The Orioles are way better than the Pirates. Well, they gave the Rockies a a 0.1% chance. You're saying that the Rockies have a better chance of winning their division than the Orioles do? No, no, making the playoffs. And that was, uh, I think the Rockies were 0.4, the Pirates were 0.2, and you guys were 0.0. I thought that was just to win the division. No, it was to make the playoffs. It's make the playoffs. I'm still calling BS on the Rockies having a 0.1 chance of making the playoffs. I think it was 0.4, but you know. Rockies were, Beggars I, can't be choosers. Trust me. I checked multiple times. I was upset saying no one else has a 0% chance. I think it was 0.1 for Rockies. Well, I did send the Onion article that I found that Orioles management upset that Orioles 
players showed up to spring training in way too good a baseball shape. Go ahead, have your laughs. Have your laughs. I hope, uh, Joe. Up. Joe, I hope in five years, Rutch City comes through and the Orioles are crowned World Series champion. Just for you. Well, they will be. All right. I don't hope that because that means the Yankees won't win the division. Well, they could sneak in as a wild card, and you guys can have your division titles because apparently you and the Braves think that really matters. <laughs> it makes us feel good. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like getting a, uh, a sticker in a elementary smi- school. A little smiley face. A little smiley face. Or a golden star. A star. Aww. Oh, you know, we didn't, win a world, we didn't win a World Series, and our payroll's 200 mil, but, you know, that gold star sure felt good. Did you think gold stars didn't feel good? <laughs> Mike's like, well, when you have 27, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it. All right, I do want to get into this real quick, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but the arbitration, I feel like, is finally coming to light, and people that aren't baseball fans are starting to realize this arbitration system in baseball is maybe one of the worst things involved in professional sports right now, this control. There are guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Miller to be exact, uh, who fought for the rights of players just for Major League Baseball to find another way to circumvent and own people. And I'm curious, with these contracts going down, do you think this is a... Is this something that will eventually get us away from the arbitration garbage? Or is this something that just reinforces that? You see what I mean? I see what you mean. I mean, get away from it. It's not going away. It's a system that the teams like. They like to kind of have this ability to say, hey, we want to pay you X amount of money. Right, but when does the Players Association put their foot down and say, you can't do this to, to us anymore. Well, I guess it's a good point. Right now, the union and the league hate each other. So I don't know. Well, if right. The, because I don't know if the union wants to open that can of worms, considering there's 17 other cans of worms already open and rotting. But but there's but there's guys like Tatis, Acuna, Bregman. These guys, you know, should have had deal with arbitration. A la Walker Bueller, uh, who else am I thinking of? Francisco Lindor, Juan like Soto. Juan Soto. These guys are dealing with arbitration. You know, Trevor Bauer dealt with arbitration, which is why he hates it all so much. Mm-hmm. But when guys end up taking these sooner money, less long-term guaranteed deals, doesn't that, in a sense, support the arbitration? Why? I mean, because 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 it's like because they're avoiding it. They want to avoid it. They don't want to deal with it. So they're taking the long term deals. Wouldn't that be? But they're taking less money to avoid it is what I'm saying. Yes. Is like the Ronald Acuna juniors of the world to avoid arbitration. He's taking 13.5 million a year when realistically that guy is worth 25 to 30 million dollars a year. Correct. But he doesn't want to deal with it. And so it almost plays into the owner's hands to continue to have this BS system. You see what I mean? I see, guess I see what I'm you're saying. I'm a massive anti-capitalist kind of guy. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, oh what, what are you, some Bernie bro? And I'm like, no, he's too conservative for me. Like, I'm massively, massively far away from this. And it makes me feel like by taking these deals, you're basically validating arbitration. I guess that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. It's kind of like backwards thinking about it, mm-hmm. but it does make sense. Yeah, it's yeah. I can see what you're saying. I don't know. To be completely honest with you, even though I'm I'm a baseball guy, 
arbitration has never been a thing I fully understood. I understand the process of it. Mm -hmm. I know that you have to, as a player, put what you want your value to be. It's basically what's your market value. The team puts what they think your value is. If they're close enough, you just pick a side. And then if they're not, if they're too far apart and you can't agree, um, you have to go to an arbitrator. Mm -hmm. And then he picks the value of the player based on the market. And a lot of times, a lot Beyond of times, that, I've never done a lot of thinking about it just because I knew it was just, oh, it's part part of baseball. Well, a lot of times, guys that go to arbitration, they ended up they end up arguing between eleven and nine million dollars. Yep. But you know, and I don't mean to keep bringing this name up because I don't want to sound like you know I want this show to just to be about my team. But that's the thing with Francisco Lindor. Last year, he made twenty plus million dollars because arbitration said this is what you're worth, mm-hmm. and. But that's not what the Mets are going to sign him for. The Mets are going to sign him for 28 to 33 a year. So are you really worth? I don't know. I just think this arbitration thing, Play. I think young players taking these big deals to avoid arbitration just cements the fact that arbitration will still be here. Okay, but And that that is a scary thing for just me. Just a quick flip side question to that. And you seem to know more about it than I do, so you know, feel free to... I'm a Cleveland fan, man. We put people in arbitration every year. To enlighten me. I'm going to go back to the same example of Ozzie Albies. If Ozzie Albies was in arbitration right now, would he be making more money? Yes, I think so. I think so because I think Ozzie Albies would be a top five second baseman in baseball. So, question then. Ozzie Albies in his fifth year in baseball, right? Fifth, fourth, whatever it is. Could be making... 10 plus million dollars a year thanks to arbitration. He's not on a rookie contract that's too short or that's too long and gives you $500,000 a year. Um, and it gives these young players a chance to continue to prove themselves and make good money doing it. Mm-hmm. Is that really so bad? No, I don't think it. I don't think it's bad. I think it just reinforces that the system is working. That once a team is willing they see the guy that they say, okay, we know we want to do this so we can avoid it, but it still lets them nickel and dime everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's like the rich get rich, the poor get poor, is what right. it's is what it seems like to the me. The rich get rich and the poor get slightly less rich. Exactly, and <laughs> and that and that's what it kind of is. When you see a player who's going to arbitrate, Walker Bueller, what's Walker Bueller making? Eight million dollars. Walker Bueller is a top three pitcher in baseball. How is he only making $8 million? Okay. How much is Max Scherzer making? I'll take Walker Bueller over Max Scherzer. How much is Justin Verlander making? You want to know how much Walker Bueller is actually making? Yeah. $2.7 million. That's what I mean. But he just signed his arbitration, so he's going to make more next year. No. he's His arbitration was two years, eight mil. Oh, two years, eight mil. For a top three pitcher in baseball. In 2021, Bueller will earn a bit. This is sport track, so generally I trust There's them for There's a their good contract. chance Chris Archer makes more money than Walker Bueller. Bueller will earn a base salary of $2.75 mil and a signing bonus of $2 mil. So total, he'll make almost $4 mil. But yeah, so he's going to make basically $4 mil a year for the next two years. And how on earth does Walker Bueller walk into an arbitration meeting and the arbitrator goes... Yeah, you know, I've, I've done the research, and I'm a professional, and this is my my job. This is my livelihood. And, uh, you know, looking at market value, um, how about two years, $8 million? Well, question. No, I just, okay, no how question. Ma- how, many pitch- know, how, many, how many pitchers are better than Walker Bueller hold in hold baseball? Hold, stop, 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 stop. Three? I just found it. This was not arbitration. He signed a two-year deal to avoid, to avoid the first arbitration. two years of arbitration. Right. Yes. And how much is that? 
Well, it's two years, eight million. Yeah. So he could have probably made more in arbitration than two years, eight million, though, right? Assuming his skill level, you would think. That's weird to me. Why would you sign that deal if you're about to make whatever it is in your first year arbitration? Because he's worried arbitration is going to be less. That would be insane. That's the problem with arbitration. Mm-hmm. Is it's not all bad. It's that's the thing. It's not all bad. Right. We just talked about a situation where it would have been good for a certain player. Sure. But Walker Bueller, how many people are better than him? Not many. Four. I don't know if he's a top three pitcher, but he's certainly four, top seven. five, yeah. six. That guy's going to make four million dollars mm-hmm. next year. That's why the Dodgers could sign Trevor Bauer for forty-two million dollars. They got. A, they got a guy on their team. Walker Bueller walks into the clubhouse and sees two guys on his team that make over $20 million a year more than him, and he's better than both of them. <laughs> yes. Think about that. Okay. That blows my mind. My brain will noodle with that. Uh, and mine doesn't want to because it hurts. All right, when we come back, second hour loaded. Coming up, we'll uh, we'll dive into the National League East as we start our previews as pitchers and catchers report today. We'll do all that next. This is the Hot Corner, 1080 The Fan.